All right, you guys ready? Let's do this. You're listening to the best of the best of the best. Fully loaded. It was so good. Luck, luck, luck. I don't think I've ever been chuffed. And what the mouth word said was, you talk too much. Scotty Potty Hay. Someone slap me. That is not that crazy. That's hard. Losers. This is like proof of the supernatural. This is not the first goal scored by a hand this month. What? You made your own luck. You win by winning. He plays, he scores. You're a pouty baby that doesn't deserve to be a baby. He's just a weirdo. Si, senor. I would like the Pollo Ranchero, por favor. I'm just going to pour myself another bourbon and just let this thing roll. All right, welcome to the latest edition of the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby. Brian Chesko. Gentlemen. Hey, happy, now. Happy New Year. Happy festive fixtures. Hey, they've been coming fast and furious. We've enjoyed 29 matches over the last just more than a week. Yeah. With, Has it been that many? Yeah, with yeah. 10 more still to come. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. In fact, we're recording this on Sunday night. Game week 20 has just ended. And so we're going to discuss what's happened since we last podcasted, which is game weeks 18 through 20. It's the halfway mark, Scott. We've just crossed over into the second half of the season. You probably won't hear this until Game Week 21's been played, but we're going to save our Game Week 21 content for next week's episode. That's right. So we're going to discuss Game Weeks 18 through 20 on this podcast, which still gives us plenty to summarize as we have gone through the Christmas fixtures, the Boxing Day fixtures, our regular weekend fixtures now, looking ahead to our New Year's fixtures. We are going to look at... All the things that have happened, every single one. We're going to summer. We're going to give a recap of all twenty-nine matches. Wow! No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Holy doing that. moly! I crapped myself when you said that. There are a few notable dream team performances that we'll mention. We'll talk about uh, some people who had some very happy holidays with some great performances over multiple game weeks during these festive fixtures. Some of our regular segments will be in this podcast, including a return of How to Say with Brian J. Yes, very special edition. Dave, you have to give us an Arsenal moment because our 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 Arsenal have changed a bit. Yes. And when I say have. our, I mean your. I know. But anyway. I appreciate what you do with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And then I have gone ahead and um, this is already a lost season for me. So I am the FPL version of Arsenal, Dave. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you like, you, a, you like yeah, that? Yeah, that's fair. It's probably fair. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and... And I've already hit the button on the wild card, second half wild card. Wow. First, so, first second you get a chance to do it, boom, done. Well, I have. I mean, why not, really? I mean, this, the moment Mikel Arteta became available, Arsenal It's sort of a reset button. It is, and that's what I've done uh, just to see what I can do, kind of compete against myself for the second half of the season. But I do want to do my best, and so uh, I want you guys to help me out with who I should get. Yeah. Who should be a part of my wild card squad. And I'm guessing that there are going to be plenty of listeners out there who are going to benefit from that conversation as well. We'll end, as we always do these days, with a sports guessing team for Game oh, Week 21. Oh, man. Uh, Dave, you uh, you did a Game Week 18 sports guessing team, and it crushed. It did. It it's crushed. probably one of my best ones. Yeah. And it had some ridiculous calls in it. I, I want to go ahead and just say, I don't have the specific results in front of me anymore. Uh, for some reason, I didn't think I would need to keep them uh, once the scores came in. But I will say this. 
we forgot again for you to pick a captain. Yeah. And it didn't matter. You didn't need any captain points to beat the game week average in I, game week I, it's 18. It's amazing. I didn't pick a captain that week. No. No. But it's all right. You're five and three now. And the more you keep doing better, the more it just makes me wonder why we even try <laughs> at worry. FPL. Brian, why do we try? We try because we've all deceived ourselves into thinking that our decisions ultimately matter here. Can we start on that note? I asked this no. question. We're doing it anyway. All right. <laughs> I asked this question before we started recording, when we all three sat down and kind of warmed up a little bit. I said, is it just me, or is the FPL market crazier this year than in recent years past? And it seems to me like you guys all agree the answer is mostly yes. I would like it to be quantifiable. I wish there was a way. I'm sure someone out there is tracking this. I would like to see the... the uh, tweet at us fantasy soccer fc if you're listening and this is you let us know if you've got some data on this because i have a feeling i have i have instincts i have emotions it just seems like the market is cr the, the price changes are crazy we, we've complained i mean we've complained about this we complain a lot we've complained <laughs> about many things here but i i mean one of the things that i know has been really consistent is when it seems like a player is dropping by an enormous amount how slow it is for the price drop to happen sometimes. And yet, it feels like this season, it's been within a day, yeah. a, a certain drop. I'll give you one example that I know affected me earlier in the season. Anthony Martial started the season at 7.5. Within the first two weeks, he had gone from 300,000 total ownership, just over 300,000, to, to almost 1.2 million. He dropped to less than half of that in two weeks. He went from 1.2 million to just over 400,000 and did not drop at all in price. So now part of that so is the price raise there happened when he gained it. There was a right. price raise. He gained. But he lost a ton of a ton of uh, followers. That's not even... Owners. He lost a ton of followers. He, he lost a ton of owners. Mar Martial dropped. He dropped back to his original price. It took it took until week seven, I think, for his price to get back to its original amount. So he was injured through that entire span. He was out due to injury in that it was not a benching. It was not... It wasn't anything else. He was he was injured for a good for a good portion of that. It took three weeks for him to drop to less than half of that ownership, and his price stayed consistent. He didn't drop in price until I don't know week five, something like that. Week six. It took at least what I'm saying is it took at least three weeks in the middle of his injury for his price to drop. To me, if that had happened now. His price would have dropped yesterday. If he had gone from 1.2 million to like 700,000 in, in one game week, I feel like in that time yeah. he would have dropped. It doesn't, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Is there a lack of consistency, Dave? Is that, that's, yeah. that seems to be what Brian's alluding to. There absolutely is. And, and that's what, when you look at stuff like that in that one moment, in that one instance that Brian just brought up with Martial, is a perfect example. There are places like that all over the place. And and so what's frustrating as a fantasy Premier League player is that you're establishing rules that seem very inconsistent. Arbitrary. Similar to VAR. 
Well, oh, stop it. That is uh, not uh, true. So hold on, hold on. Well, that is not true. It's a cheap shot, but there might be some truth in that. So, I, I disagree. So, well, we'll – yeah, well, we'll see. I guess that's the frustrating part is they have rules set up. You can look at the rules. You can understand the rules. But the rules are very nebulous when it comes to when the prices are going to rise and fall. Now, there's some people out there who have dedicated time and energy into developing formulas and algorithms on when the prices are going to change. You can follow them, and oftentimes they're right. But this season has been way worse than the past seasons that I've been a part of where their margin for error has been a lot bigger than ever before. Let me ask you guys this. Would it be bad? It. I think what what I'm thinking of for you right now, Scott, is that the market is is maddening as it is. Yes. Because pr- player price rises and falls, they directly impact what we've talked about. This. I think. I think we are in agreement that the money ends up mattering at least to some degree. It is not the. It is not the the end all for your season. However, it does make a big difference. You see it in week two. If you don't have a tenth, once a player changes a tenth, it changes your ability to buy, but it doesn't affect your ability to sell. You still don't get used you know, to that's That's an obvious thing. It just makes the volatility of this even more annoying because then not only is it, you know, it's all the groupthink on display. It's right. everyone rushing to a certain player or rushing away from a certain player, which we've seen repeatedly, may or may not be the best move. It would make a lot more sense if price was based off of form rather than ownership. Now, I know that'd be a fundamental shift in how FBL is played, but the masses are stupid, and I'm having to do stupid moves just to avoid being affected, being harmed by stupid moves because stupid people are making them. And I don't like that. I don't want to do what the masses are doing. Number one, that's not going to help me get ahead. Number two, the masses don't know what they're doing. And the more people who are playing FPL, maybe that's the issue. We just have a lot of new people playing FPL this year who don't know what they're doing. Maybe, but I also think too, though, typically oftentimes, if you can, not every single player, we've talked about this chasing form, not points. Certain players you want to chase, some you don't. But it is true that that guys will catch a hold of some form, and if you can get them during those times and then sell them when appropriate, you know, it's just like this. Tammy Abraham, I've, I've owned Tammy Abraham up until this past week, and I sold him yesterday. Now, he scored against Arsenal today. I like Tammy Abraham as a player. In fact, I was on the Tammy train before anyone else this year. True. I gained – I got – 0.4 rise out of Tammy when I sold him, which means I was on the ride from, from he was at 7.0 all the way to 7.8, 7.9 whenever I sold him, right? And and I sold him for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the last few weeks, has been red hot. Mm-hmm. And I, again, had been on the Tammy train, but all of a sudden I backed it up and I looked. It had been almost four weeks since any type of goal there was a 12 in there, and then there was, he was the 12 was surrounded by a two and a zero, and uh, and it's like why why am I holding on to him? Like I'm now he, his price wasn't dropping, and therefore I wasn't necessarily losing any money because early in the season I'm looking at if I'm going to lose money on someone I'm just going to sell them because again I'm all about the money. Now 
this this season right now, halfway through the season, my current value when when you add my money in the bank and my value of my team is a one hundred six point four. Wow. Now, when I go to my whole purpose of trying to do that, and I've taken some negatives at times, not as many as I did last year. I've tried to be a little bit wiser about that. Is that when it comes for the second half wild card? I'm hoping to have a total that my actual team value is probably closer to like a 104.1. Sure. Because there's some players in there, Vardy, Lundstrom, and others when who... When you would sell them, you would only get half of correct. what you right. That's exactly. Yes. And I'm probably going to keep some of those guys anyway. Which, right? by the way, FPL, we still think you should change that. Agree. Anyways, I say all that, say the, but the money does matter because... Like, you have to pay attention to what's going on, and I don't think be completely knee-jerk reactionary, but it is unfortunate that sometimes you do have to be like that, and you probably you might have to sell a player. I've done it. Now, maybe other people, and you haven't. You've, you've done better at, at times at sticking with a player and saying, I'm not selling him because everyone's selling him, and, and I've just kind of drawn a line in the sand well, for myself. Yeah. Well, like, I sold Sterling one time when I didn't want to. Right. Um, and... That was the one time I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. I'm going to sell him today, but I'm not going to lose a tenth on him. I, I, the great example in my squad at the start of the season was Callum Wilson. I chose to keep Callum Wilson. He continued to put points in. He was a good forward option for many weeks in a row. I sold. If you look at the points and when I sold him, I sold him at the right time. I sold him just as he stopped bringing in the returns. Yeah. However, I lost money on that, Yeah. which is stupid. I think that's stupid, but... I get it. On one hand, that's how the game is set up, so I'm not going to complain against that. But at the same time, I wonder if it couldn't be better if FPL was just more transparent about what was happening. Right. I agree with that. I would like. We all are going to have to make decisions whether they keep the formula secret or if they publicize what's about to happen. So if they give us, you know, even if they build it in and make like this window where they say these are the moves that are going to happen at this time tomorrow. You decide now what you're going to do, and then you have to decide if you're going to sell the player or not based on the moves that they are saying that are going to be made, particularly price drops. Why can't there be more transparency? And then at least we can see what's going on and be able to make decisions based on information we know is coming and not be caught off guard by sudden and arbitrary price drops. Again, there there's a website, the Fantasy what was a Fantasy Fix, Brian, Fantasy Football Fix. Yep. That that is dedicated to it's an amazing stat website. If you care about stats, you would love this, and you can you can pay for a yearly subscription. But they one of the free things they offer to kind of bring you in is they offer a price change predictor on their website, and they have algorithms, and they have a percentage that shows how accurate they are uh, on the rises and the falls. So there are places out there that do it. But what's amazing is even them. Like this site, that's that's one that I follow a ton. Keep my nose to the grind on it, and they've been caught off. They had they've missed more than they've probably ever missed before, and that and that's what's frustrating. You have algorithms that are set up to know based yeah. on the percentages of sales and buys of players, just like a stock on on when the price change is going to happen, and and it's been wrong. So, anyways, it, it is it is tough. But unfortunately, it is set up in the, the way we play fantasy football. It is set up to be a thing. It is the the money money is a thing. It is. Uh, wasn't that a great rapper philosopher Brian that said money money ain't a thing? Maybe or uh, money is yeah, a thing. Yeah, I think that's exactly it was right. Some, someone said that. But in FPL, it is. In FPL, it absolutely is. Yeah. And especially again, one of my things is uh, 
you know, I try to work, do the, the first half of the season to set up the back end, and hopefully I can make a surge. And so when it comes time to wild card, I have more money than other than competitors, and I can I can hopefully buy better players. At least that's the goal. Speaking of better players, let's talk about three guys who definitely stood out over the festive fixtures. It started in game week 18, a guy that we've talked about and mostly said stay away from dropped 16 points, and that was Chelsea's Willian. Yeah. Funny thing about Willian, Scott, and I'll mention this because you brought it up earlier because I was like, who was on that sports guessing team? <laughs> sports, sports, guess, guess, guessing. <laughs> I'm going to briefly cover six players that made me win. Sure. In that sports guess, and, and Willian was the first guy on the list. Yeah. He hadn't scored in a couple weeks before that. Willian, Mares was even on there, and yeah. I remember now saying on the pod, Mares and Brian looked at me like, he's not even going to start and play. Hey. And sure enough, he started and played. And, and of course I think, he did. I think he scored and assisted. Uh, Martin Dubrovka, Newcastle was playing someone who should have scored 10 goals on them and, <laughs> and shut them out. And then uh, Watford got a win. Cathcart, I got a clean sheet yeah, from Cathcart. Yeah, Cathcart was hilarious. And then I think that was the week Everton and Arsenal were playing. And come on, Arsenal, they give up goals, but they usually score goals, and it was a nil-nil game, right? <laughs> and Yuri Mino was in, was part of that yep, crew. Yep, so anyway, right. it's just it's hilarious. Those, those are some of the guys in the sports guessing team. But, yeah, William did his thing that week, but it's, you know, what have you done for me lately? I mean, Chelsea's midfield, and I, I'll extend this into game weeks 19 and 20. I mean, Frank Lampard promised rotation. Yep. And, and we've gotten it. And that's the one thing. I'll just go ahead and give it away now. When I go into my wild except, card squad, except for William, <laughs> yeah, almost entirely, almost true, almost entirely, except yeah. for. Uh, I mean, I, that's not that's look. I, I have I've liked him from afar for a lot of this season, but that's as good as I can say about it. Yeah, Will, William gets the assist today. Assisted Tammy, and so his last three weeks are a sixteen, two, and a seven. But you know, before that was a three. Two, two, one, two. Remember that's that's when I right. picked him for sports guessing, and he got that sixteen, right? Right. But that run from Manchester City down through Spurs really was. I mean, that is the that is where everything kind of fell apart for Chelsea. Well, but I mean, but as far fine. as as far as midfielders attacking returns, we've talked about this, right? Chelsea. If there's a little while, I own three Chelsea players. Yeah, I wanted. Every Why wouldn't bit. you have? Well, I slowly I sold Tamori eventually, and then I sold Pulisic, and then I just sold Tammy. So now I am out of the Chelsea business. Yeah, and uh, it, to Scott's point, it feels like uh, it's the right time. No one sold more than uh, Tammy Abraham this week, and of course, his price uh, didn't drop or did his price had dropped going into today. And uh, goal scorer Tammy Scored. Abraham yeah. is now uh, back, trending back, back on up. the on the on the upswing. Of right course, now. because the masses see that he scored, so they want right. To and they him still have a, at least for the next three matches, you'd say a useful uh, a useful schedule. Yeah, for and, for Chelsea going forward. And then it, and then it's home to Arsenal, which that you know they could score ten goals that match. Right. And Obviously, then, and they then, can score goals against Chelsea. They and, did today. And then at Leicester, home to United, and home to Spurs. So, but they haven't been good at, at Stamford Bridge for whatever reason. Anyways, I'm just saying, it, it. There was a time where you wanted to own three Chelsea players, at least I did, and now I don't own any, and that's just kind of the ebbs and flows of the season. But I'm not chomping at the bit to go get any Chelsea players right now. There's no one of real form. Too much variety in who's giving you results. Well, 
I, I think William is is the one consistent thread, Brian, that you already alluded to. If you want to go there, I just don't know how. I like Frank Frank Lampard, and I like what Chelsea had done early in the season. There just seems to be a little bit of lack of momentum that they've grabbed that they've lost recently, and I don't know how to describe it. Well, other than youthful inconsistency, I know exactly. men, men and Blazers had talked about that too. I feel like that's kind of the most obvious thing. Is just hey, I mean, as ex- as young and exciting as they are, there is that the level of inexperience, not necessarily inexperience, but just still feeling it out. Yeah. So I mean, they can find it again. I mean, if they pick it back up sure. again at any point, I mean, I would think. Everyone's going to look at the color coding here on the FPL site, and they're going to see four reds in a row, which you just named them. One of them includes Arsenal, which is maybe the most hilarious red. Is that the most hilarious red-rated matchup of the entire block? Look, it pains me to admit it, but the the obvious answer is yes. It absolutely is. Arsenal could get better by then. We'll we'll, we'll have to see. We'll get to that. But... At least for the next three weeks, you don't hate them playing at Brighton. You don't hate them at all playing in this current form, Burnley. And then at Newcastle's not not great, I wouldn't say. A, a fair gray. I like the gray <laughs> on Newcastle away. But yeah, what were we talking about here? Chelsea inconsistency? Yes. Okay. Moving into game week 19, nobody had a better performance throughout the entirety of the festive fixtures than Trent Alexander-Arnold when he dropped a 24 wow. in the game week. Laid a marker down. You know who my favorite sell of the season has been so far? Oh, I know, Brian. The two times <laughs> I've sold Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I it's, love it. It's pain- How painful is it? It's Well, look, a lot of people benched Alexander-Arnold for the Leicester match. A lot. Just figure, figuring. Uh, uh, that, that, I think FPL. I think their official number was like one hundred and seventy-five thousand or something like wow. that. That's a big number. Yeah, uh, it's not entirely out of the question. It's interesting that you would bench your seven-point something defender. Well, ever. I mean, if you if you're thinking that you're not probably going to get a clean sheet, well, Lester, but it's Trent Alexander Arnold. Leicester's rated red. <laughs> They're right. a red matchup, Scott. I yeah. get it. But at the same time, number one, Trent Alexander-Arnold gives you just as much offense, if not more, than defense. True. That is very true. Number two, one of the things that I've been saying all season long is matchup is secondary. The player is first. And Trent Alexander-Arnold can always do this. In fact, earlier today, during uh, during Liverpool's matchup against Wolves, there's discussion between the two uh, announcers here in the United States for this match about Trent Alexander-Arnold maybe being the player of the year. We have talked about this. His underlying stats, he's one of the few players, he and, and KDB, who are scoring FPL points in the same measure as their underlying stats. They have been consistently better than everyone else at everything hmm. this season. And it's, they're one of the, they're, they are two of, they, that match up almost exactly yeah. to where you just look at them and say, no, they, I mean, the gap is big yeah. in terms of perf- real life performance and in terms of fantasy points. I just don't know if you own him, especially for how much you're investing in him by owning him. You, would, you should never bench him. Never, so ever. Seven out of the 20 games that have been played, he's given you an offensive return. So, now, that's a funny thing for you to say because I, I have some more of those kinds of things later. Right. I think that that's amazing for a defender. 
It's In fact, I'm sure he's the top. I can't imagine that, that someone would be better than that. Before the 24, in the eight weeks before the 24, there was two weeks where he gave you some form of offensive returns. And they were, they were sandwiched together with the Brighton and the Everton. And then before that, you can even subtract that out to about 15 weeks. And there was three returns in the last 15 weeks before the 24. So it wasn't like they were just offensive returns pouring in every no, single week. No, for sure. And we, we talked about that whenever Robertson went on his like multi-week run and Alexander-Arnold kind of dipped. And that was, you know, again, I you, there was nothing about the stats that said it was any different. In fact, he was, he even in those matches, he was better than Robertson in terms of what he was actually doing. The only difference was Robertson, like we said, in those matches, Robertson kicked a better ball to a goal scorer. I mean, that was, that was really the difference in some of those matches. But overall, the numbers have just been completely off the charts in terms of crosses, in terms of plays going into the box and the penalty area. And, you know, all of his expected assists and chances created and stuff like that. So it's just, I just sit there and wonder, uh, as I was watching what his 20, have been. as I was watching his 24 points roll in, I just thought, was it the smartest move to buy Serge Aurier? <laughs> we got you a negative one. <laughs> Own goal, Serge Aurier. No, I had him this week. I did rebuy him going into this week. I, I had made the money to go from Diego Rico to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Wow. Which to me is a very fair trade. I would encourage you, uh, Rico owners who do not own Trent Alexander Arnold, make that move. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's yeah, a very advice. fair That's trade. An easy, easy move. It's an make. enormous amount of money difference. <laughs> I think it's an entire Watford defender's price different. Barring a catastrophic injury. He will not be leaving my team again. Okay, yeah. right. So this is now the third time you've owned him. Yes, it's and, awesome. And, and it feels not, so good the third time. He is not time. leaving your lineup. Yeah, he will. I have owned him once, but currently don't own him. And I'm trying to figure out, eh, maybe I should get him in. Yeah, he's in my wild card squad. It's, Spoiler alert. I feel like that's fair. I feel like I feel like that is absolutely fair. And, and if I'm able to uh, wild card at some point, I will absolutely look at that as well. Brian, you compared... CAA to KDB. KDB gave you the highest point return in game week 20 with 14 points. Speaking of players that I also owned him three times this season. Come on. I really have. Really? Yeah, I'm sure I did not own him to start. Right. So I had to buy him once. I definitely, maybe twice. I think I had to buy him back twice. I think I've owned him twice. I did yeah. not, st- I, I don't think I started the season with him, added him. And then sold him once, and then I own him again. And I'm probably until he gets injured, I, he won't be leaving. Like many team. people, uh, one week of not having him is usually enough for you to regret either right. getting rid of him or not having his him. His last four, 19, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you, Arsenal. Uh, four, five, and 14. Uh, let me give you some numbers uh, really quickly. In the last five weeks, well, I should say since week 15 for uh, for KDB, he has taken 22 shots in the last uh, in the last five weeks. So okay. so weeks. Well, I guess that'd be six total matches, 15 to 20. Comparative to say, Salah's taken a lot. He's taken 18. Wow. But KDB has outshot him, which to me doesn't sound like shot right. On target? No, no. Total shots. Uh, t- he's put 10 of his shots on target, and he's taken 10 of those shots in the box. 
for KDB, that's a lot for a guy that like last season we talked about it a, a good bit that he was he deeper. was playing deeper and yeah. and and so now I mean definitely since week fifteen I mean that's it's recent his scores have been ridiculous you know a lot and he yeah you know, this week another another great score somehow has had zero big chances anything qualifying as a big chance in that but span. keeps putting up production. Keeps getting the production it's because his has, goals come from twenty yards out. Has take well, or I mean, or just outside, like today. I mean, just outside the box. I mean, that's it was just a really great shot. Uh, but even with his big offensive production, he is still just as creative. Six, he's created six big chances for his teammates since week fifteen, which is the most big chances created of anyone in the Premier League. Wow! So, just as you know, like more attacking more uh, offensive FPL returns and still just as creative or still the most creative uh, individual player in the Premier League. Wow. Going back to game week 18 for a second, for some of us who owned Heung-Min's son, yeah. the festive fixtures got off to a very terrible start. Yeah. Son earning a red card. Brutal. For his boot into Rudiger's chest area and i i spent a little time on twitter the night after this match or you know the the night of this match uh because i was i was pretty furious actually i think i put on our slack workspace dave that i wish we were podcasting following that game week because i was so frustrated about that whole play uh son deserved nothing but a red card yeah for what he did now he didn't make the greatest contact with antonio rudiger's chest there's no doubt about that. But he did attempt to use excessive force on a player outside of the, the realm of play, outside of the scope of, of play. Okay. It was an extra kick that he attempted to place into the chest of Antonio Rudiger. And if you look at the literal reading of the law as it relates to violent conduct, that attempt to use excessive force or brutality is exactly what earned Sun the red card. Now, I'm watching this game, like both of you gentlemen were, on NBC Sports, the, the network that airs Premier League soccer in the United States. Yep. And if there's one thing that I have consistently complained about, it's the color commentary that we get on matches here in the United States. Specifically, and I'll go ahead and name names because I, I tweeted at them, so it's pub- public record at this point. Lee Dixon and Graham Lasso are the two color commentators that uh, that broadcast to specifically American audiences, and they were both on this match. And both of them were saying nothing other than their opinion about what this play sh- result should have been. That because Sun didn't actually make decent contact on Rudiger's chest, it should only be a yellow card. Now, that's just not true. At one point, one of them, and I think it was Graham Lasseau, forgive me if it wasn't Graham, but at one point he even said, what is violent conduct? And I screamed, you're the one to tell me. Your job is to tell me what violent conduct is. Are you kidding me right now? Right. Not only are you giving me wrong information, but you're asking the question that you're supposed to be answering for me. It's kind of his job. Why is he getting paid? (laughs) He should look that up. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. So I tweeted at them and let them know that Sure. This growing American audience needs to be educated in the right way. Sure. And I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, and then I'll get off my soapbox here. 
I know that we are three Americans coming into this beautiful game, okay? And this and the best league in the world in England. Sure. And I know that maybe for some, the last thing they want is an American opinion or, or to be told how an American influence might help. Yeah. I get it. But I'm telling you, our sports in the United States, when, when our TV stations broadcast sports, they give us the announcers, but they also give us rules experts. And those rules experts are brought in for just those moments. How much better would the VAR delays be if a rules expert was telling us exactly what the referee was looking at and what definitions of what laws were being used to make those decisions so that we could be educated on what's happening? We don't always agree on the calls that are made by NFL officials during instant replay. But we don't doubt or wonder what it is that they're deciding and discussing and debating on those decisions when they're made because the announcers and the rules experts are educated enough to teach us so that by the time the decision is made, we know exactly what that decision means. Plus, the referees speak to us and let us know. We get none of that in the Premier League. And that's why it's not good. VAR is actually starting to make sense. You don't have to like the way it's being run completely. If I was king of the Premier League for a day, I would get rid of the line, the dotted lines on the offside calls. I would get rid of that. But at the same time... That's like the one thing that we agree on. It is at least consistent. I agree. And this is what I said today. And, not to, and I hate that I, I'm jumping in and maybe I'll give you a breather. At least... Even if the stupid offside armpit, because that's what it's going to turn into, the offside armpit, right? How many times have the offside armpit happened this year? Oh, too many. It's stupid. I do agree that it's stupid, because, and I understand that you can't, you know, they're trying to find the spot on a player's body that is measurable that you can score from. I guess you can score with your armpit. So that, yeah. that is the nearest part of the torso. That's leaning over the line. So that's become the definitive spot. So here's the thing. At least, and again, I've hated on VAR, but I actually am, am I like it in this fact. At least it's if it's gonna be dumb, it's consistently dumb for everyone. Right. You should put a little Pac-Man on the shoulder <laughs> and make the dots like a Pac-Man dot coming down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In that yeah. case, I'm all for VAR. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good. Um, That's a good impression. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I, I, I work on my my Pac-Man. Um, anyways, so at least it's consistently dumb for everyone, right? And VAR. But, has, but here's the thing: it, it's offside. Like, even it though is. it's stupid, it's offside. Right. What frustrates me, Scott, is the other certain rules that can't be looked at, like today. Sure. Like today, and I'll. I'll get to some of this in a minute. As an Arsenal fan. Good. We get to it twice. Yes, Brian. <laughs> Jorginho, already on a yellow. Yes. Grabs Guendozi's shoulder midfield and spins him around, and, and Guendozi falls down. This is like in the 80th, 75th, 80th minute area. Yes. In a game at this moment that's 1-0 Arsenal. And that means Jorginho would come off if he gets a second yellow. Right. Guess what VAR is now allowed to look at? A yellow. They are allowed to look at if a red card is given or a red card possible offense happened, they are allowed to look at it. But if it's a yellow, they're not. Right. And so this would have been a second yellow. Yeah. Therefore, sort of, in my opinion, falling underneath the umbrella of a red. No. But guess what? That's not how they apply it, though. Nope. Yeah. It's in the rules. Right. So I'm okay with the rules. My problem is my, – my, 
it was it was frustrating. Well, the referee needs to have some balls and say and give the say give a card for it, right? Because he just gave it toward George, to Jorginho when he came in in the first half. Jorginho and Lacazette. Lacazette was looming and standing over him after he violently grabbed Lacazette running by and spun him around. And Lacazette wanted to stomp his face in. And Jorginho was cowering like a little, like a coward. I mean, he was cowering <laughs> on the on the ground as I would have been as Lacazette was standing over me. But th- so that, in other words, that wasn't the first time he's done this in the match. And then he does it again. It and then of course, guess who's the one who gets the first Chelsea goal? Right, Jorginho. After he shoves down on another play that you love, a two-handed shove on Torreira. And I know, Brian, it's fair. Brian mocks Torreira for all the times he embellishes. Yeah, because he's little. He is little. It was little on little crime because Jorginho is not a big guy either. But uh, Jorginho gives Torreira some two-handed handful of jersey shove. And then he walks around to the back post. Leno misses the punch on the, on the set piece. And Jorginho taps it in. And and he should never have been in the game. That's the stuff that really, really frustrates me. I think it'll be interesting because we're obviously just a few months into VAR as a part of the Premier League. And we've talked about this earlier in the season about how instant replay in the NFL has gotten better every year. The famous pass interference play in the NFC Championship last year that couldn't be reviewed. Now it's a part of review. All these things that the NFL every year does to make the game better. It's going to be fascinating because, again, it's at least consistent for this season. You know what? They have a rules committee every year, and it's their job to update and look at new things. And they also have a a coaches committee – of the of the certain coaches that suggest things to the rules committee to, to see things that they want to change along with the owners. Like, they really have it set up right. They do. And it'll be fascinating to see how the Premier League does this summer. It's fine if this is how it is for this season. It at least makes sense. And at least I kind of expect and can predict what the VAR call now is going to be. Whereas I didn't always have that earlier in the season. Yeah. At least now like we, we're we halfway know. through. We've seen the we've seen the crap, and, <laughs> and there's plenty of plenty of. It's gotten more predictable. Wow. In what it's going to do. The managers today who who chose to be mum about their thoughts, uh, were looking at you, uh, Espirito Santo, yeah, and uh, and Chris Wilder. I loved Nuno's presser today, Scott. Did, did if you didn't, I didn't see, see it? it. Um, the guy asking the questions. Asked him about VAR about six times. And every single time, I mean, he, you could tell he was so furious inside. And he just continued to say, "Just I'd rather not talk about it. Very politely and calmly. Um, talked well about the game. I, lo- I became a Nuno Espirito Santo fan today in that Well, even presser. Klopp today was not, I mean, even he had to admit, like, We've been on the other side of this. It's true. So I know exactly Liverpool how has. it feels. And was complaining about the, the 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 amount of time that it takes. Talking about December conditions and having players just have to stand there and wait. Yeah. And how that's not that's dangerous for them. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. It is stupid, stupid. And the armpit thing is stupid. I get it. And I know you hate you and I differ on the armpit thing. I at least am okay with it because it's consistently dumb right. for everyone. It's, that but, is the only so, thing that you can say that's good about it is that it's consistently stupid for everyone. But if if you go with 
a margin of error. You're still going to have some form of line outside the margin of error that someone will have to make a judgment call or pixel call on for then for that to be onside or offside. And so I that's why I'm fine with if even if you if you if you redo that whole thing and you finally come up with okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of margin of error, but even outside of that, there still will be, unfortunately, a line where someone's going to have to make a call, and then there will be decisions that have to be made and will still be at the same spot. So whether it's armpit, in my opinion, whether it's armpit now or a toe, shoelace, kneecap later, it's it's going to be something. There, there will always have to be a definitive line of, okay, this is on, this is off. This is what offside will be. That's exactly And right. so that's why I'm more okay with it. But I get anyone who's complaining about armpits, I get it. That's why I'm just okay with. At some point, there's going to be a line, so you might as well just go with what it is now for the offside. I, but the, it's all the other crap that bothers me. Moving ahead to game week 19 for a moment, I think we got what will be in hindsight a definitive 24 hours towards the title. Now I say this hesitantly because in my mind I know that I have no influence whatsoever as a Liverpool fan, on Liverpool's ability to win the Premier League. However, I also don't want to jinx things. They've already done it, Scott. Yeah. Brian said this in October. Brian, you said this in October. I want to hear Scott's defining moment of the Liverpool season. Midway through the season, are you comfortable, Scott, claiming what I think you might be ready to claim? No, but I, I'm not. No. I, I'm not. Oh, come on! Liverpool has come too close too many times. Come on! Now listen, here's what I will say, though. It's game, set, match. Here's what I will say. There's something special about Leicester nil, Liverpool 4. That's a demolishing. On one day. That's second place. You destroyed the second place team. That, I think, was on Wednesday. On Thursday, less so 24 hours later, Wolves have an unbelievable comeback against 10-man City, yes, but still just a special comeback against Manchester City. And with Leicester losing the way they did at home to Liverpool the day before, and then this comeback against City, it felt like a very definitive 24-hour period. It's almost like it's almost <laughs> like the title was decided in October, and this was like the cherry on top of a layer of icing. Yes. On top of the top layer of yes. the cake. I think that's what it, I think. I think it's finally to the point where Liverpool fans are like, "Okay, I think it's really going to happen." It now. really is over. Like, I thir- I would much rather win the title by thirteen points than one point. This is going to be. I understand. I do understand this. You thirteen don't, points ahead of Leicester with a game with in a hand. game in hand. <laughs> you, you don't. The so season good. is long over. <laughs> I, I, I get it because you don't want to be the guy. No one wants to be the guy who goes out and gloats and celebrates the title and they lose it. Right? No. And no Liverpool one wants to be that. would be the club I get to it. do so that. Everyone is always, all the Liverpool people are like, well, anything can happen, Brian. You know, I mean, it's a long season. We're only halfway through. That's true. Hey, the next four matches are not easy. No, Sheffield. not. But even if they lost all four, you know where they'd still be, Scott? First place. First freaking place. <laughs> so let's whatever, man. Give me a break. <laughs> let's just go all there. Right. If anyone really wants to know where things are, what? Liverpool could lose the next four games in a row, and it would be just fine. Dave, the question is, are you ready to have Scott be able to say that this Liverpool team is more invincible than the Invincibles? No. 
I absolutely have thought about this. Brother Matt and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Liverpool's doing something that uh, that no one has ever done before at the moment. I mean, when Arsenal went through a, a season and didn't lose a match, they drew multiple, I mean, more than I thought, like double-digit games. Liverpool lost one match last year and didn't win a title. They have lost zero matches this year, only dropping two points with one draw to, what, United, Scott? That's right. So what they're doing, let's just sit back, unfortunately, and enjoy this because what they're doing, they're doing things that are that are crazy. And, uh, you know, Scott, just revel in it. I know you fight the feeling, but, but you know, Journey, Brian said – can't fight this feeling anymore. Scott, just embrace it. I, don't I am know. enjoying I don't, the ride. Is that journey? Is it journey? I am enjoying it the journey. It might have been air supply. You can't fight this. <laughs> is it? It could have been. I think it might have been Help air supply. Help me with supply. my 80s rock, Brian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> confirming. All right. <laughs> While you confirm that, I have a sweet 16 uh, who enjoyed a very happy holiday. 16 guys who had at least two returns out of the three matches their clubs played. Rapid over fire the festive these, fixtures. Scott, let's do this. Absolutely, in no particular order. We'll start with Aston Villa's Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish, Brian, I'll go first. I know you heart him. You are in heart with him. That's oh. what some people say <laughs> on the eastern shore of Virginia. Close, but way off uh, in the end. Ario Speedwagon probably should have known that. Oh, I love Speedwagon too. That that's do you? Dumb on me. Um, <laughs> okay. I used to own a, a Speedwagon CD. Brian remember thinks what less CDs of you now. Were? Oh. There were things called CDs. Uh, my car is full of them. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Jack Grealish. Getting back to things that are fantasy uh, worthy. Jack Grealish Scott is ranked in the top ten at his position. He is tied with Adama Traore with eighty-one points. He is six point four billion pound dollars. Uh, Adama Traore, 5.5. Look, my take on him is, is I think Brian will, will, will echo this, and I'm going to steal a thought from him from earlier. Eh, Villa kind of sucks. Yeah. So if you want – but here's the deal. He, he is the guy on the team, on the sucky team, that continues to produce offensive returns, even if it's every third game. He, good chance is he's probably going to be your fourth or fifth uh, midfielder at a 6.4. little scoring, pricey. Who's scoring in the top 10? That's a little pricey for a Depending on how you set your team up. So I'm just saying, it. look, Adama Traore, who probably – I would lean him. If you want to go with someone in the top 10 cheap, I would go him. So, uh, But, Brian, you currently own Grealish. I do own Grealish. Um, I, I would – my hesitation, as we said just a little bit ago, to each other only, uh, is that <laughs> – because Villa, <laughs> because Villa sucks, I, I would. I'm hesitating uh, owning any of them. Uh, but but as you said, if it, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen through Grealish, and that's and that's bad for them. Wesley is not helping a lot. <laughs> uh, losing McGinn. That's is, being generous. Losing McGinn is bad, and they're already down. I mean, when you're down your best defender, like like I mean, this is Dean Smith saying this anyway. He, they're down there. They're, they already lost their best defender. McGinn's one of their other best players. That I mean, they are they're making the most of it right now. In the last three weeks, I mean, Jack Grealish has taken the same number of shots as Raheem Sterling. If that matters to you, he's taken more shots than Richarlison. He uh, he. The only people that have taken more shots than Jack Grealish are all players that you know that we easily could talk about, which is Dama Traore, Anthony Martial, KDB. 
And for some weird reason, Riyad Mahrez has taken more shots than any other midfielder in the last three weeks. Of course. That's so perfect for this season. Uh, <laughs> but no, Jack Grealish, look, I mean, he's he. we know what he can do. And he's also uh, assuming his penalty miss didn't make him lose penalty-taking responsibilities. You get that as bonus uh, if they can ever uh, get, fouled get, in the get box. fouled in the box. So I, I'm okay with it, Scott. All right. How about Dominic Calvert-Lewin of suddenly resurgent Everton? No one except Marcus Rashford, out of all forwards, has been more productive in the last six weeks than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I do like a guy who is playing hard for a new manager because that new manager has his back. There's, is- there's some good, easy FPL money that that can be spent right now on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Ancelotti definitely has his back, is singing his praises from the beginning, is saying that he has best-in-England striker capabilities. So, Well, that's good for me, because I own him as I sold him yesterday. I sold Tammy Abraham and brought in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So kudos to both of you for making me feel better about my decision. <laughs> 22 shots for Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the last since week 15. He- only Marcus Rashford has taken more. And Calvert-Lewin has, put, has taken 18 of those shots in the box. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Love that, love that, I love that. Rashford has taken more shots than him, but only 10 of his 26 have been in the box. Wow. Just as a, just as a comparison. And Calvert-Lewin's got the same number of goals. So it's it seems like... New confidence, new manager with, uh, with, you know, helping to bring that confidence up. Do you hate the matchups? You don't hate them. You don't. Do you? I mean, you rush to get him. You're not concerned, as you probably shouldn't be, City, about Manchester City next. City's week. next, but after that, it is smooth sailing for a yeah, while. Okay. For the next seven weeks after City, it's fine. Arsenal, obviously, it's their first red matchup that comes along, and we all know that they're not a red matchup. Who? Arsenal. Yeah, they're that soft. They're softer than your voice doing Let that. Let me tell you something. They are struggling to have abled bodies out there at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, Manchester United have a pair of players we need to look at. Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford. I own Rashford. Brian, you own Martial. I do. I love owning Rashford, and I've been happy with him. I'd probably be much happier if I owned Martial. Uh, as I bought Richarlison a couple match weeks ago, I think I probably should have bought Martial. After hearing what Brian said earlier when the computer shut off and we lost what I, Brian, I already know what Brian's going to tell me. Brian, tell me about Anthony well, it's Martial. Just that, it's just that Martial is, has been outstanding for a while. And no one other than, like we just said, no one other than Riyad Mahrez and KDB have taken more shots than him. He's got more shots on target than both of those guys. He's taken eight of his ten shots in the box in the last three weeks. He's putting – he's it's three goals in three weeks for Anthony Martial. So what, what can you what, – what bad can what? you say about that? Plus, he's created three big chances uh, in the past, like, five weeks or something like that. It's the second most of any midfielder. So that offense with those guys, especially if they find – you know, if they do what they did a couple weeks ago – Find a way to fit Mason Greenwood back out there, and that's like we it's, look. Is Pogba going to factor in here? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, two weeks ago, when that when that happened, when, when Pogba he, came on as a sub, right? And the, those guys weren't out there all together, you know, at the same time. You know, at the same time, but 
Can they be? Can we at least see it? I would like to see Greenwood, it. Martial, Rashford, Pogba in the 10. Oh, my goodness, yes. Maybe even a Daniel James out there. That's not horrible. Right. The discussion with the Robbies, you know, the NBC sports broadcast, asking about Mason Greenwood, if he's the future of Manchester. You know, like Talking about, like, he is their next superstar. Like, they've, they've already found him just because he's been so good when Very he's true. gotten his chances. Southampton's Danny Ings continues to score goals. Danny Ings... This guy is my new Ashley Barnes. Um, I Ashley Barnes, I, I hated on him, and he finally faded away. Danny Ings, I'm scared of him, number one. So I'm not going to hate on him because I'm actually scared of Danny Ings. Uh, but holy crap, this guy is fifth. Fifth, mind you, in fantasy scoring. In for fantasy forwards. scoring for forwards. Yeah. And Scott, Brian, you've probably said it. You two both have said it more than me. Danny Ings, he's a talented dude. Yeah. He just needs time to play. His Achilles heel is always injury. He always gets hurt. But when he's on the pitch, he usually does well. Now, Brian, you mocked him earlier in the season. You're like, okay, like when they play Liverpool, Southampton got a goal at Liverpool, and we've called Danny Ings the clean sheet killer because Southampton isn't winning games, but he's not scoring game winners, but he's just scoring enough so that the the defenders that you own aren't getting clean sheets. Danny Ings hates your clean sheet. He hates a clean sheet. He's a dirty guy. He loves some dirty... Dirty sheets. I guess so. <laughs> dirty Not clean. Sheets. Opposite of clean, Scott is dirty. <laughs> Opposite of clean you're is dirty. judging him based on his tats. No, I'm just saying I'm, <laughs> he hates clean sheets, and I was trying to make a joke that they were the opposite of clean is dirty. Anyways, look, Danny Ings, his last uh, – it's ridiculous. you got to go back almost eight or nine game weeks where he has two weeks in a row where he doesn't score. It's true. It's like we're talking about – Game week 12, Everton on, 7-6, That's um, 2, 13-1-9. And he came on as a sub against Chelsea. Okay, and that was the, that was the one. Yeah, I would think he would have definitely Holy scored smokes. in that game. I can't – you might as well own him, Scott. <laughs> I, as much as I want to mock it, you just own it. I thought in this stretch of, that uh, Southampton was coming up on, don't own him. I mean, at the time, I owned Abraham, Vardy, and Rashford. I mean, so, four of their next five are are kind of tough. I'm not getting rid of Vardy and Rashford, and I just brought in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You could say, Dave, uh, shouldn't you brought in Ings instead of Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Yeah, but uh, with Spurs at Leicester, Wolves at Crystal Palace, at Liverpool. I like, yeah. Coming up. I like. And Adrian won't be in goal the next time. Well, <laughs> we can't say that for sure. But he won't be in goal the next time Southampton plays Liverpool. Right. So there's almost no chance of him getting a, an error goal. See, and, and, and here's the thing. I think this is the part that, that is a, it makes it hard for me to believe in Danny Ings, even though he keeps producing. Do you have the Opta stat there available, I don't, David? Brian. I, I know I can rely on you to give me that. It seems like, I'll tell you what it seems like without looking at those stats. It seems like this. He gets the hustle goal. He's Charlie Hustle. He's he's Mr. Yeah. Pete Rose sliding into first base. He's the guy who's just hustling and his hustle and work rate and and uh industry Desire. his industry. Yeah. I love that British that word. Is a good term. Uh 
gets him or earns him goals. When he chased down Adrian against Liverpool and got that goal, right? He's done that a couple different times, and you think to yourself, this can't continue, but it does. At this point, he's he's got 109 fantasy points halfway through the season. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. What's it going to take to own him, Brian? I'll see him in February when the schedule dies down a little bit. I agree, and that's the only reason why I didn't go there and I went with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Probably. I just don't know if the Southampton thing that they got going on is going to continue, and I don't love their schedule. But you know what? He he continues to give me the, get a goal. the Ashley Barnes finger mask and the double bird and says, <laughs> take that, Smith. I just her, scored on you again. Her up to Joe. Five of Danny Ng's 12 Premier League goals this season have been scored following opposition errors. Wow. Only Anthony Martial has scored more than once in that fashion. So he truly is doing something that no one else is doing. He, I mean, it, we, we've, it's been like that. I mean, he scored against Spurs that way. I mean, he's got. You know, we said the Liverpool goal. I'm pretty sure he did against Leicester. Was that Leicester that he did that? To? Or uh, I think it was Indeedy. Was that the Was that the match? No, I'm thinking of Mason Mount that did that. Either way, why am I dragging Chelsea into this? The fact is. It feels like Danny Ings uh, manages to score on. Do you own him? I do not. Why not? Uh, just because I haven't just, had the money to do it. All right. he, he's cheap. I've thrown my money elsewhere. All right, fair enough. There's a lot of good forwards right now. That's one yeah. thing we'll talk about when we get to my wild card squad. All right, moving on from Dirty Sheet Danny, we will go to Harry. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Uh, Harry Kane. Pair of eights in his last two appearances. Hey, that guy might be coming around. Oh man, I, 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 I can't believe we have to talk about this. We don't. Here's the bottom line. Stop right now. His last five matches: sixteen, one, two, eight, eight. Yes, I'm getting that with Danny Ings, with Tammy Abraham, with Raul, with Jamie Vardy, and you know what they all have in common? They're a lot cheaper. Their price is single digits. Yeah. Yeah. That's think, the one thing. I, I think it's the. I think it's the price. I really. I it's mean, that's, just the it's, price. It's, it's eleven. It. It's Aguero from two seasons ago, where where no yeah. one owned him because his price was so high. No one. It's, no one could stomach it's owning him. Aubameyang now. I was going to ask that because Aubameyang had a seven and a nine in his last two matches. He's been very good this year. He's got a lot yeah. more overall points yes. on the season too than Harry Kane. But is Aubameyang in that same category? I vote yes. It sounds like you're with me on that, Brian. Well, what's the hard part is that Aubameyang just keeps scoring. Uh, Aubameyang has returns in all but seven weeks <laughs> this season. Do you know who else has gotten you returns in all but seven weeks this season? DeBrowna or Jamie Vardy. Oh wow. Also Marcus Rashford. Wow. Danny Ings and Raul Jimenez have gotten you returns in all but eight matches this season. And right there is might be enough for you to hear. That if you could have had Rashford, Ings, and Raul Jimenez and probably done just as good, if not better, than, ha- than and, if you had had and you're saving that Aubameyang. And, that's, and all of those guys are $2 cheaper. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We've already talked about... KDB, but somewhat quietly, Raheem Sterling had a nice holiday as well. Yeah, he's going to throw a wrench into a lot of people's wild card teams when, as they, as Scott, you're already doing, other people are too. Yeah. And over the next five to six match weeks, people are going to start using their wild cards, and they're going to be looking at that. Sterling has kind of been quiet, and until the last three weeks, he's still expensive. Yes. He's eleven point eight, right? So. Uh, you know, again, 
in my he, he needs to be producing along with the lines of Mane and Salah if if you're going to want ownership. His current ownership is at 24%. I mean, a lot of people still own the crap out of him. And yes, the last five or four weeks, he's had a 10-5, 10, and then a 3 against Sheffield. I have nothing bad to say against Sterling. I, I, I think it, it's, it's going to be his time. He's going to be coming around. And it's, it, he's going to throw a number up, and he's going to make a lot of people go to him. It's and true. it's just a matter of time. And who knows? Maybe, maybe that time is in two weeks, uh, January 12th against Everton. Um, I mean, against Aston Villa. So it could be against Everton, their next home match. I don't know. I like Everton. Ever, I like this Everton better than the Everton from eight, nine weeks ago. So, yeah, Raheem Sterling is something. I'm not ready to move to him yet. Brian? I, I think it's hard because, like you said, I think it's just going to take consecutive weeks. I mean, this this run, I think, is enough to make people rethink it a little bit. It's just hard whenever it's it's the money again. The only easy move to Raheem Sterling at this point is probably Mo Salah. One of these stats in Sterling's favor that it's the, it's the hard part about what he's doing is that when you watch him play, he is just as active. He is involved in almost everything. He is a- attacking in a way that, that there is no issue with anything he's doing. It's just resulting in nothing. It was resulting in nothing. And KDB is outscoring him by a million, and Mane is outscoring him by a million. Touches in the opposition box this season. So the number of times the player has touched the ball in the box this season. Raheem Sterling has touched the ball 210 times in the opposition box. You know who's second in the league? Salah. You know what number he's at? 145. Wow. The, what Sterling is doing in, in, a, in attack is it's it's far and away better than anyone else right there isn't any that's not even close but it's been nothing i just feel like the returns for him have been they have to come they've been dismal that's that is the anomaly of this season is the is city's attack in terms of what they've actually produced their expected everything is so far and away better than everyone else I mean, they, it, it's so far beyond, and this is exactly why, it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, they've done everything basically the same. It's just resulted in nowhere near the, the returns. So this fits exactly with all of those other stats. Well, moving on, you mentioned Sadio Mane. He scored 6-11 and 11 in the two matches Liverpool played over the holiday. There's no Mane solid debate anymore. No. I'm I'm squashing it. Uh, you can own both. Great. Again, I've said that before. If you own one, Mane uh, by hook or by crook, they're the same price currently. Now, if you owned him like I did, he's he's worth 11.9 to me. If I was to sell him, I bought him at 11. Wow. I think, or maybe 11.5. I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever he started at, I had him. I had okay. him at, in the beginning. You know, I think there was a dollar difference between Mane and Salah. I think it was 11.5 to, to 12.5, and Salah's dropped right. to 12.3, and Mane is is They're gained. the same price and now. And now they're 12.3. They're both 12.3. Yeah. So it's – who do you want to own? And for someone who doesn't own either, which I find that hard to believe, 
Uh, I would rather own Mane. And uh, if you want to own both, great. I don't have any problem with that. Do it. I mean, I, you know, rock and roll. But just keep in mind, Sterling's one point behind Salah. The Liverpool defense had a little bit of a resurgence in these two matches as well, and it was the same guys. We already talked about TAA's 24, but he scored 32 total points over these two matches. But Virgil, Joe Gomez, Andy Robertson, and don't look now, but Allison is on a run of four sixes in a row. Hey, now, if Gomez, if Gomez, Scott, is going to lock down a spot, it now is time to, for, just for price reasons, like if you want, it, the easiest way into the Liverpool defense is Joe Gomez at a 5-1. So if, if he's going to consistently play, which he has the last four match weeks and has gotten 5-8, five, 5-8, eight, five, eight, I will take that every single time, uh, especially uh, now that Liverpool's kind of crossed the edge of the halfway mark, Brian, they might start tightening up a little bit back there. You have probably another two or three weeks of Matip being unavailable. Scott, when Matip is healthy and available for selection, will, will Joe Gomez matter at all? I think Matip is the first choice. I agree. Okay, there's no doubt. I agree. I'm just I I the is FBL, Gomez ahead of Lovren? The yes. FPL website has unknown return date on both of them, and I know that that's not the injury bible. I'm just throwing that out. Right, there. Premier Injuries, sponsored by Ben Dinnery, is Which, the is the injury bible. Yes, and he I agree the potential with return on Premier Injuries is January 11th. Okay. So that's why I'm saying. Okay, and so so hold, pump the brakes on Gomez, but man, that stinks. Even so, if Matip comes back, he's a five-two. So it's not like like that's an easy transfer. Yes, definitely, and and you may if if he gets another return, and you know that you have two two more match weeks of Joe Gomez, you'll you might get that. You might you get might, that. You, you might, might get, get a bump. That. You might get that tenth. You, you're right. You're absolutely he could, right. If he gets two weeks of returns, if he gets a return this coming January first, he might go up another tenth or so. January second, Liverpool is home or to January second. Yeah, January second, they're home to Sheffield. So that could end. Hey, that could end six or seven nil Liverpool. The Sweet Sixteen ends with a pair of Watford Hornets, gentlemen. Wait a minute. Are you really? Thinking of spending Allison money in your goalkeeper position, yes or no? No. Okay, Dave. No. Okay. I, I just I I that was so random. Where'd well, you don't no, just just, just I Scott, brought that up. Scott oh, said Allison's you? on a run of I, I, he's I on a even, run of clean sheets. That he's was one of those times sixes. I wasn't listening to either of you. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear me say that the end of this segment is going to be a pair of Watford Hornets? I did hear that. Now, I thought it would happen sooner, so I'm not going to take too much credit for calling this, but Troy Deeney is hey, in he's the middle been a of a di- He's been a difference maker. Yep, and we're going to come back to that in a little bit. Uh, but he's definitely created another lower-priced option at forward. Uh, Watford's schedule isn't isn't bad for the next six matches, and so uh, he's definitely got to be someone that you consider – and then I just wish he was a little cheaper, but Ismail Sar has put in some good returns over the holidays as well. Sar is I'm glad he's getting a chance. I feel I feel some mockery coming. No, out. not at all. He's a productive Pepe right now. <laughs> That's not great a uh, great praise. Well, I'm just saying he's new. He was uh, he was a big signing for them. I think that everyone was excited to get him and he comes in and and he it's just it took him a minute. 
Uh, he didn't play much in the first half of the season. Starting in week 14, he started right. matches. It's just, right. It's just, He's it's, been starting since then. Right. It's taken him a while to, to get into the, you know, to get into first team minutes here. And that's, that's great. I don't know that I would, I mean, he'd be a major differential. He's What's 6'2", his, though. So, I mean, there's plenty yeah. of guys in that range I'd rather own. Now, Dini, look, we've said it, I, f- I feel like we've said this before. Dini makes them a different. Dini makes them yeah. a, make Dini makes them a different people are a, scared a, they have of a him. different confidence they have a different yeah. attitude whenever they play with him uh if you care about it he has the highest expected goal uh he's a, he's the highest xg of any Ooh. forward or midfielder in high the last th- in the last XG. three weeks. Wow! I'm glad we got XG back. I'm just podcast. saying it's somebody who's actually put hey, in the goals. Scott? Scott, look, he has three goals in the last three weeks. He's it's kind he, of fake stats. It's not fake. It's I the mean, same it's, as Hall's. <laughs> <laughs> I expected anything. No. Facts. Stats no. are uh, facts. Real stats are based on things that have happened. Expected stats are a little bit of fake stats. Based on what has already happened. Yeah, but they didn't actually happen. Fake oh. stats. Uh, XG. Right. It's the same as looking at the ICT index. It's for, true. For FPL. They've put Brian, it... have you ever looked at that and made a, a transfer decision based on the ICT index? No, but it. I mean, for an organization, it's not a bad way of looking overall. Like, hey, what's this guy? It's the same as form, what's, though. What's this what guy? What the hell? We look at form all the time. We say chase the form, not the points. And it's we the same thing. We say chase the form, not the points? Points are points, is what we say. Right, and form. Understood, but you got to look at where the points are coming from. That's my point. Form, I look at the points well, to see where the in, points are coming from. In that case, though, form is points. <laughs> it's just the average of the last five weeks. We of, also of say the that player sometimes sport. players are good in real life and not in fantasy. I don't care about their form. Understood. I want to see the points. Understood. Look, I, listen, there's value in what you're saying, Brian. I'm not belittling anything you're saying. I'm just saying. I was trying to make a joke that XG is funny, and I feel like it's it's it sounds like a product that we all would buy at the local GNC. Hey, you know did you get I mean? your XG today, Brian? It's like taking vitamin C pills, <laughs> candy. <laughs> it's it's like it's like any sort of mineral supplement. <laughs> You're just gonna pee it out anyway. <laughs> no, look, all of it is based on. It's all based on position. What you would the, look. You could look at Sar and say he probably has a you know he's had decent chances. He blew th- one of the two chances of for Watford in the match against Liverpool. If Sar knew how to kick, if only I know he could kick right. That's true. It could have been a completely different day for him. But his run his his form would be even better than it actually is. Right. He has gotten the returns. So has Dini now, and so. Yeah, this is. I'll keep my like, eye on Sar. I'll keep my eye on both of them. It's, I mean, how do you again? Do you care about Watford's schedule here? Vaguely, but I mean, I, I don't have a Watford. I, I'm concerned about getting relegated. So. If I'm bringing in a Watford player, it's Troy Deeney. I mean, they're, but they're, no, I'm not worried about their schedule. Not really. I mean, Wolves is tough. Spurs in three weeks, three matches is tough. But they play Spurs tough every time. So uh, to me, that's a that's always winnable, at least drawable for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely interested in Troy Deeney. If one of my current forwards that I prefer gets hurt, he would be someone I might would go to. All right. One of my favorite moments during the festive fixtures came in game week 18 when Miguel Almiron of Newcastle scored his first goal. It was a great moment at St James Park. Loved it. Yeah, it was fun to watch. 
Someone else scored his first Premier League goal. Uh, it was for Brighton. Heartwarming. It was. Come on, you of were not. It was. You didn't stop and oh, enjoy I'm mocking, that moment. I'm not mocking it at all. I, I, we, it was but, emotional. Of course, it was. We he said, was emotional. I said the same thing to League Drew when Dan when Danny James scored his first Manchester United goal. It was it was that the most intense. Uh, brotherly hugging that you can have and it was a very emotional moment for them and those are those are rare moments and they're and it's almost exclusively uh sports that will give you moments like that that's, that's true he shed some tears brian uh-huh who is he tell us in our how to say with was, brian Jackson. was all of this so that i would shed some tears yes <laughs> yes did you do this for me also to shed tears? Would you like to have music for this week's How to Say Yes or No? Yes, sure. That'd be great. You know what song I've wanted to have in here for a while? Chumba Wumba. N- no. Okay. <laughs> I get not. Okay. No, not well, You all. asked. I just... It's a way too late into the season. Re-shout to FPL, our FPL Mini League participants, Stone Roses FC. I've wanted the song Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses. Uh, an excellent uh, song from their first okay. self-titled album, The Stone Roses. I can't wait to add it to my library. It is uh, a nice groove, and it will be a perfect way to stay underneath Roses. this. Yes. Great. Uh, this week's How to Say is taking us all the way to Iran. Yes. Oh. The country Dave always says he wishes we could oh, be more here like. Here we go. Here we go. I swear, Dave, if I hear you say that you wish the U.S. could switch to unitary, theocratic, republican, authoritarianism one more time, I might just sentence myself to death by stoning. (laughs) Anyways, this Iranian winger scored his first Premier League goal, got pretty emotional about it, explaining post-match that it's been a tough wait for him not only to score the goal but he just uh, the adjustment period uh tough for him tough for his family and getting you know getting real minutes and so that's what it was that was it was all it all came out in that moment it truly was an emotional moment for him ali reza is his first name ali reza i could have guessed that ali reza Although, if I'm being completely transparent here, I'm basing it on one of the rare pronunciations of the name that is available on the internet. <laughs> I would like some Persian lessons to explain if it if it isn't Riza. Riza. Uh, it could be Ali Riza. Yes, but for now, I will say Ali Reza. Okay. All right. What you wanted to try to get me with is the last name, since the consonant-to-vowel ratio... <laughs> the kind of thing that gives Americans nightmares. Well, joke's on you, a-holes, because it's not all that crazy. Uh, Jahan, J-A-H-A-N, the front front half of the name, that's easy. Okay. It's the the (laughs) B-A-K-H-S-H that is the problem here. Uh, in one of life's great ironies, uh, putting the letters K-H-S-H consecutively in an American name is a capital crime and gets you uh, death by firing squad. <laughs> did you right? guys know that? I think I did. It's oh. an amazing, uh, weird twist in this story. Okay. Both of these are death penalties that you could get in Iran if you haven't <laughs> guessed. <laughs> to this day. 
The Persian character for what you see as the KH is comparable to the CH in the word lock. Cock. Cock. Lock. Cock. Not the first thing, more the second thing. CH and Locke, such as in the popular phrase, hey, do you guys remember Ryan Lochte? Oh, yeah. Boy, was that weird. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Your Brighton winger, (laughs) who scored his very first ever emotional, very emotional, emotionally touching emotional goal, Mm. is none other than Ali Reza Jahan Bakhsh. Jahan Bakhsh. Not Jahana yes. Kabash. No, it is not Jahana Pagash. <laughs> Jahan Bach. Jahan Bach. Yeah. Jahan Bach. You got that. You got that. Hold well on. You're going to do this every time. <laughs> From <laughs> now on. Jahan Bach. No. Do you know how good? Do you know how good he was in the Dutch league? He was very good. He was absurdly good. Is this good. the Eredivisie? Yes. Oh wow. Alkmaar. They uh, have a lot of was, guys that set scoring records. Alkmaar, don't they? Yeah. He was really good. He was uh, very good, he Brian. Was, hey. Well hey. Done. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well he was, done. He's. Uh, we might get to see more of him. Uh, who knows? Depends on the old old Graham Potter. Very true. All right, we'll transition from Brian's segment into Dave's. Dave, there's a little bit of a change that took place during the festive fixtures at Arsenal. Yes. Listen, we're going to breeze through that. This, uh, I man, I, I wrote a little ode, ode to Arsenal today in Slack because I always felt like as Arsenal's getting pounded, people, people are just kind of tiptoeing around. I mean, it's not even funny, fun to bash them anymore because they're just, I mean, they're twelfth in the table. I mean, it's yeah, the table does it. They're for setting us. records that the club's never set before. Yeah, not the records you want to set. They have a new manager. I'm excited about it. His name is. Mikel Arteta, um, I think, and I, what I noticed on the field today, even though they lost, was uh, things in the last two or three matchups since Arteta's been there, and he's only had, I don't know, a handful of training sessions, is uh, guys are, are doing things that they weren't doing before. The shape is better. The effort is better. There's so many defensive injuries. They have two wingers playing right and left back. Mustafi had to come in for Chambers today. There's no word on how bad his knee is hurt. So when you're back down to Mustafi starting again, it's not great. No. So uh, Arsenal uh, has been struggling to find a bit of form. They've been struggling to find an already bad defensive way now that they, they have injuries everywhere. And uh, so it stuck today because they probably earned at least worst case a point today. But they were the better team most, most of the match against Chelsea. And they they dom- were dominating statistically. Um, it wasn't until right before halftime, Chelsea had a right after ha- a halftime, Chelsea finally had a shot on target where Leno actually had to make a save. All he that wasn't being great said, today. he had a bad mistake. Yep, he hasn't had many of those uh, that I can remember. That usually we're talking about. Wow, Leno stood on his head today, and and he did amazing. Uh, but he made a bad mistake today. Look, I could whine and complain about calls that didn't go Arsenal's way today. And technically, yes, there were many. And Jorginho should have been off. You already heard me whine about it a little bit earlier today. But bottom line is this. 
I love the progression that I saw today. I have to stick with that. I think you, you, you can't turn a cruise ship around, you know, in five minutes. It's going to take a little bit of time. But look, if, if anyone can come in and, and you're, you're actually getting seven, good 75 minutes of Mesut Ozil on the pitch, like, like you, all of a sudden Mustafi didn't look horrible when he was in today. Um, so, yeah, he was probably possibly responsible for not closing down, as usual, uh, yeah, on the last as goal usual. on Tammy. But there were other things that he was doing that was good anyways. All, bottom line is, I uh, am... Even though we lost today, I am somewhat encouraged, foolishly probably, uh, about where things are going, and, and we'll see. Maybe we can get some help in the um, in the January window. One thing that uh, has stood out to me over the festive fixtures in general is that while you know we talked about how the English game is a little bit more of a physical game, and we have varying thoughts on what that means and what that should mean sure. as far as how the game is officiated in the future. But there's one thing that is present in the English game that will always be there. And when you find it, I think it helps. And that's grit. There are three strong yeah. examples right now in the Premier League of grit helping clubs get somewhere. It started with Duncan Ferguson at Everton. That man got Everton off of the bottom of where they were because of grit. He made them tougher and better. And, and they were scared of him. <laughs> well, that, that's okay. But speaking of being scared of someone who's got grit, Danny Ings has it. He's going to potentially single-handedly save Southampton's season. Common thread here. I'm scared of him. And you know who else has it? And this is why I saw this resurgence coming from a mile away. Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney. I'm scared of him, too. Well, there you All go. All three of these guys <laughs> at a bar, Brian. Would if you cross them, that would choke slam you. First, oh, for first sure. guys to break a pool cue over their knee. Absolutely. Hey, Sometimes you need that, Scott. You do. Sometimes you need someone to be on the pitch. They're like, I'm going to give everything today, or that guy's going to kick my. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, not to not to overdo the Liverpool thing, but I mean, Virgil getting people's faces if they're not doing what they need to do. James Milner will do that. <laughs> I love James Milner. I'm scared of James Milner. There you go. All right, guys, I'm wildcarding, and I've got a wildcard squad put together for the second half of the season, at least heading into Game Week 21, sure to go wrong. But let me know what you guys think. And I've had to make some sacrifices and decisions because I don't have the money that you do, Dave, in your squad. But here's what I have so far. I'm going to go ahead with, and this is entirely because of price. You'll see why as I go throughout the rest of my squad. But right now I have Aaron Ramsdale as my goalkeeper i like it i i brought him in over the the festive season spent a little extra money and i turn i now have two useful goalkeepers because i wasn't crazy about the stretch of henderson had so sure in the back line i'm bringing in as a non-negotiable trent alexander arnold brian you love that how could i not i love that too i have three mid four defenders i think they're all actually at four seven right now uh john lundstrom's still in my lineup he's staying uh, Lewis Dunk, he's just a consistent performer, one of those set-it-and-forget-it guys, and Jetro Willems. There's only three. I only heard three names. Is there t oh, TAA, the and then who else? And then those three. My fifth defender is, of course, Martin Kelly. Okay. All right, fair enough. Now, why we not, instead of Lundstrom, why not go Baldock? The number one transferred-out defender of all defenders this game week so far, John Lundstrom. One... Benching one for bench. Lundstrom. He won rest. That's stupid. Look, we have talked about this before. 
if you didn't have him from the beginning or if you had him at a higher price point, what is he worth to you right now? 4.6. For me, I, yeah, I had him at a 4.8. Right. So if you had him at 4 which, which means he's at a current 5.2. He's a 5.2 with this kind of sales. Who knows? He might be down tomorrow for all we know. The are market there, is stupid. If the if, people are selling after one rest, the market is stupid. I guess my question is, is there anyone else for 4.6 pounds that you would want more than John Lundstrom? Is there any player at well, that price? It, well, he's five two. You mean five two? I'm saying that if you had him from four zero, oh. he is worth a real life four point six yes, to you. Yes, correct. If you ever wanted to get him back, if after you no, sold there's him, no one else. You would have four, to se- you would have to then buy him back for right. more than five dollars. Right. I I doubt there's anyone else at four six that I'd probably want much more. Right. That's my that's my question. So to you, Baldock, O'Connell. Uh, Enda Stevens, any of these other guys from from Sheffield, they could, they you could, it's an it's not a bad switch. You're gonna lose some money moving to those guys, but why? But I guess the question is why? Why would you? And what's with all of these sales? People yeah. are stupid. Okay, and it's it's hurting me. Unfortunately, I just want him. I just want that to be stated that Lundstrom is the most sold of every defender. Yeah, stupid. across FPL. Right this moment. All right, so that's my back line at this point. In my midfield, Sadio Mane and KDB have already been there. They're going to stay. Love it. Anthony Martial, Adama Traore, and Todd Cantwell round out my. That's midfield. great. There's nothing wrong with any of those choices. That I. That's great. Forward is where decisions have to be made because there are a lot of good choices right now. Yeah, that's true. And I am sticking with two that I have had for the last few weeks. That's Jamie Vardy and Raul Jimenez. Vardy has to be a non-negotiable for me. The schedule is so good. The number three most transferred out forward of all forwards in FPL is Jamie Vardy. (laughs) Scott, did Liverpool destroy Leicester's soul no. when they beat them 4-0. No. no. Are you sure? Are you sure they didn't destroy it and just bury it? I'm sure. A loss like that, when they were talking, they were talking after, that seems like hurt. And I, it makes me wonder. I know the sales have been all across the board. Everyone has been selling... I know Pereira, Chilwell are definitely yeah. going to suffer sales. City, Leicester lost to City and Liverpool it, with okay. a combined combined seven to one. Sure, it wasn't good. There's no question that it was established that Leicester is going to be at most the third best team in the Premier League this year, but they're still going to be potentially the third best team in the Premier League this year. Right. Okay. I I, I think you throw those two results out. I agree. I. Vardy to me is non-negotiable. Raul is still in there, and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I, I that's great. I I want Marcus Rashford, but I I can't get to him. I would have to go from Vardy to well, Rashford. Here's the thing that the the thing that I love about Jimenez this season. He's a he is one of the other guys statistically has been near the top the entire season, and so his stats and his results or his FPL results are are matching up a lot of the time. He's still taking a ton of shots, so he's still the productive guy. The thing is, he's one of the most creative players, not just creative forwards. He's one of the most creative players in the Premier League 
the only people in terms of like big chances, which I I want my guy to have big chances because those are the, the it's not just a, a key pass differentiated from a, a big chance in that a big chance is a anything you expected to be that you would expected be expected to score. Yeah, not just a, the resulting in a shot, but a, a shot that you should score a goal. Yeah, he's third in big chances created across the Premier League behind you know who. You know the two players in front of him. Go ahead, say their names. The two other most creative players in the oh, Premier League. Uh, De Bruyne and um and Mane. No. No, I'm kidding. De Bruyne yeah, same and same team. Um uh Morris. No. Same team as Mane. De Bruyne and Salah. No. De Bruyne Not and even close. Firmino. You're going higher. And Alexander Arnold. Yes. Only Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and KDB are ahead of Raul right. Jimenez. I knew that. In that terms of right. in terms of creativity, that's amazing. Yes. that's an amazing thing for a guy who has eight goals and six assists this season. Yeah, no, you're right. It's great. I I am I am kicking myself because I owned him two weeks ago. <laughs> wow! And I got rid of him. The matchups, right? Yes. The City-Liverpool back-to-back Yes, of course. And now I've kept him, and I got the 11 against City, which was an unexpected bonus. Yes. And now I'm looking at their next three opponents, Watford, Newcastle, Southampton. Right. Now He has scored five or more points in 14 out of the 20 matches so far this season. Right, and that's what... Why wouldn't you want the uber-consistent Raul Jimenez in your lineup? I am saying I think it's... I I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I do not have it. Well, thank you for affirming me in my wildcard no, squad. No, that's good, Scott. That's a good squad. Now it's sure to go wrong, and you should buy everyone I didn't mention <laughs> because it's me this season, and I'm, all these guys are now cursed. All right, Dave, let's round out this episode with a quick sports guessing squad going into game week 21. You are 5-3 and three against the FPL average. The masses are stupid, and you're able to outguess them. Well done. It's, wow. I, I am definitely quitting FPL at the start at the end of the season. By the way, sorry. Find a new third co-host. That, that's an empty threat. But anyway, I digress. Let's go into sports guessing. Sports, sports, guess, guess, guessing. Depress, oh. depress me with players that, off the top of your head, you're going to guess and are going to do well in a random game week. Go ahead. I love it. Here we go. Sports guessing. Yeah. Keppa, Keppa's the goalkeeper this week. <laughs> Chelsea's been leaking goals everywhere. Even Arsenal scores on them. But it's, go go with Kepa. It's so stupid that I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the right call. All right, here we go. I'm depressed. Flying into the defense. Hey, go with Ogbana. Go with Ogbana. <laughs> new new manager. Week. New manager. Hey, new, yep. man, new manager bump. Go, also, go with Harry Maguire. Go with Harry Maguire and Johnny. Go with... Oh, no, I said Johnny a couple weeks ago. Who cares? Go Let's with Let's go with... No, no, no. Let's try to mix it up. Let's go with... Oh, Burn just, just scored for Brighton. That wouldn't be fun. He the, got it ruled out. Of course you can pick him. Go with Burn. Have you picked him yet? No, I just picked him. Well, great. Get go, Dan Burn in there. He's go. enormous. <laughs> <laughs> we always pick by size here. And then, hey, let's go... Let's see. How many defenders is that? Don't Scott? ever say That's that again. Three. That's three. Size. Let's go with... Uh, no, size. Let's go with size. Wait. And I thought you got Dan Burn. Agbana, Maguire, Burn, and Zeiss. Oh, you're going a 4-4-2? Have you been no, doing that all season? No, we're going yeah. four. We're going four. Yeah. Four. All right. four. Four defenders. Yeah. Okay, four, okay, four, okay, four, okay. All right, four, midfield. Four, midfield. Sure. four midfielders. 
Sorry, we are uh, again. We're we're flying, flying through this. Hey, this week, uh, go get you some. That's not fun. Ward Prowse, definitely Ward Prowse yeah, okay. this week. And Wendia, Wendia is gonna gonna help you out again. You know you who you haven't heard from Brian. You're gonna love this McNeil. Yeah, McNeil guy, is gonna finally. get you something this week. And then let's go with one headliner. Okay, Lucas Mora. Go with Lucas Mora oh, he's, he's this not, week. All right. That's a that's a soft midfield. Yeah, I'm telling soft. you right now, that's a soft midfield. Hey, forwards. The forwards I'm not gonna be so uh, uh, light on. Okay, I, I need to bring in some 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 striking power. Uh, I think here. you named one that we should put in there already. Who, Brian? I'm not saying that this is your sports. All right, fine, team. fine. Hey, let's go with. He's coming to get you. He's standing over top of you, and he's threatening you. Let's go with Alexander Lacazette. Uh, that's not who I was thinking of. But, oh, shoot. But whatever. All right. No, you're right. Let's let's not do that. Let's go with Troy Deeney. He is that's not who mentioned. I was thinking of. That's okay, exactly who I was talking Troy about. Deeney, Troy Deeney and um, uh, Troy Deeney and Firmino. Those are some heavy hitters. Yes, they are. Hey, midfield was weak. I had to. Who's your captain, Dave? Uh, captain, uh, go with the midfield, Brian. Let's uh, McNeil. Let's go with Dwight McNeil. Let's that is insane. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. If this sports guessing team beats hey. the average, I'm I buying you. I'm buying I you quit. a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yes, I quit. Yes, bourbon. All right. Well, there you have it. That's our recap of three game weeks. Wow. It was a lot. It's a long pod. I'll try to trim it up a little bit. But, hey, it was fun, man. We covered a lot of tough stuff and uh, midway through the season. Next week, I, I wanted to throw a curveball. But Brian's right. We need to spend more time looking at it. Hey, what do what have we learned halfway through the season? That's what we're going to discuss in a small segment next, next week. I'll give you uh, one spoiler. Okay. We've learned that I hate FPL. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a the good The masses are stupid. Well, you just got to figure out a way to work with the masses, Scott. No. I choose to be above them. Okay. <laughs> Everywhere but the table. Hey, find us on all the socials. Su- Fantasy Superiority by hating. That's right. <laughs> Fan- <laughs> Fantasy Soccer. Throughout history, that's always worked. That's really good. <laughs> Fantasy Soccer FC. Find us on all the socials. Uh, we'd love your support on Patreon if, if you feel generous. Hey, for the Fantasy Soccer FC podcast, this is David Smith. Until next time.